So here's a question that I have for you, Josh. Do you, as a diehard, lifelong Kansas City Chief fan, do you embrace the whole week? In other words, are you somebody that's going to sit there and watch all of the Super Bowl coverage? Are you going to take it all in all week long? When you're done here, do you tune in to, I don't I, I guess, what, like McAfee and all those people that are live? Or are you somebody that avoids the noise, stays true to just everything you've got to do? Yeah, I, I'm sure we'll watch Super Bowl. Um, what am I trying to say? What's tonight? I don't call it media day anymore. It's like opening night or something like that, right? I'm sure you'll watch that. But, I mean, do you immerse yourself in every little nook and cranny of this week? In years past... I really haven't. Mm -hmm. I'm just ready for the game, Mm -hmm. right? I I will tell you, though, for whatever reason over the course of this weekend, I I sat down and watched the entirety of last week's press conferences, which is not something that I normally do. And uh, I enjoyed it. I was was here for it just to – you know, see everybody speak and stuff. So I'll watch, yeah, Super Bowl extravaganza, if you want to call it that, tonight and take in bits and pieces over the week. Uh, yeah, I, I want to consume a lot of it. Opening night is what they call it, and that's really it. I mean, that's it. It's super. That's the media day, and I think you have a media availability that's only uh, 50 minutes long on Tuesday, and then you have a media availability for teams that are an hour long on Wednesday and Thursday. But as far as just, hey, everybody being available and all the talk being about right the, the, the players, the games, the matchups, really Monday has become that wacky media day, right? The true kind of nerds, people that cover the, the, the teams, that's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The true media day is Monday night. Tonight, I guess I should say. I'm here for it. Which one night of that is, I think, Plenty. more than enough. Plenty. Oh, did you see the cute kid ask Tom Brady what his focus is and it's his dad? I'm so tired of that. I've even turned on that incredible moment. I'm like, oh, my God. Travis, Kelsey, what's your advice to the rest of us to date somebody like Taylor Swift? <laughs> Over, under, on Taylor Swift questions tonight. There might be more... There might be more people from the entertainment world than there are from the sports world tonight. In fact, if I was the sports peeps, I might boycott tonight and just work on those media availabilities on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And by the way, those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday media availabilities, I think they're, I think they're kind of low key. Right? They're not. I think I could be proven compared to tonight DFW. for sure. Right? Okay. Well, enjoy it, man. I'm happy for you. It's hour three of the Plank Show. Um. Let's hit our top five stories of the day, which is how we usually start things off. There's some Super Bowl in here, so it's brought to you by, you know, Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. I-44, exit 107, or get in the game at newcastlecasino.com. Become a rewards member and get instant, instant rewards. Where real gamers play, NewcastleCasino.com. Big story number five. Number five. Now you would think, Josh, a good radio host with all of that talk about the Super Bowl. 
mm-hmm. would lead right into some Super Bowl talk here. Big story number five. But not me, Josh. No, no, no. You you got to wait. You got to wait, people. I want to start with something we haven't talked about too terribly much today, and that is your Oklahoma City Thunder, who could not have looked more miserable through a majority of that game yesterday, but in overtime, at the end of regulation, at the end of the first overtime, they dodge an L, and then, well, I mean, they're better than the Raptors, so the best player on the court took over. Loose ball, Dort, high to get it, 17 seconds left, giving a shake. Across the timeline, Thunder up six. Stutter steps, comes baseline, takes it up, and dunks! Good night, Raptors! Jay Gildas Alexander, a burst to the bucket with finishing touches tonight, baby! 11.1 left in the second overtime. And the Thunder would win. The fifth largest comeback in franchise history from 23 back to a double overtime, 135-127 victory. It's a good win. It's a good win against a bad team. Now, it took you a while to get there. I mean, OKC could not have been much more miserable through about two and a half, what, three quarters of that game. Horrendous start, but they came alive when they needed to. Um, Great night from Shea. He finished with 23. Four of your five starters with 20 or more points. How about Wiggins off the bench? Aaron Wiggins, he had 20 points last night and a 135-127 double overtime win for the Thunder. Hit a bunch of shots, a bunch of uh, key shots, especially in that run. Was it a 19-2 run that they went on? It was. It was. If it wasn't, it was in that ballpark, that vicinity. Mm-hmm. They uh, they turned a 23-point deficit into okay. Well, wow, we're right back in this thing in like the blink of an eye. It was like two minutes. They went on that massive run in the third quarter. So, yeah, uh, you wondered if they were gonna sort of run out of gas, having made that big charge back into it. But they found a way, found a way to, to get it into overtime and then into the second overtime, and sure enough, the they won it from there. So, nice win. Okay, a couple of dates, a couple of dates to keep in mind. Well, first of all, the OKC Thunder back in action tomorrow night in Utah against the Jazz. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday at 3 o'clock. We'll see. And I think they'll, I think they'll make something happen. Well, I mean – do you not look around and feel like the door is opening here? You had the big news about the Joel Embiid injury. Not that OKC would be facing Philly too much, but there's another team from the East that has been knocked down a bit. The Celtics have looked incredibly human. You know the Clippers and the Lakers are going to try to make a move. Zach Levine gets hurt, so he can't get traded. <laughs> Zach, Zach Levine has season-ending surgery when the Bulls were trying to trade him. You're like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. I don't know. I think I think uh, OKC is going to be active here, Josh. I think it's going to be a fun couple of days. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to watch what they ultimately elect to do or not mm-hmm. do right here at the deadline. You could certainly make an argument for trying to go get uh, a piece to make a championship run if you can find the star for the right prize. Look, uh, I could see OKC being aggressive in doing that, but I told you – a month, a month and a half ago, whenever you asked me, a ways back, well, should they be aggressive? I can also understand and entertain the, okay, let's let's find out exactly where we're at with this core group right here right now and just ride this season out. 
Let's let's uh, do the full exam. We'll put our, our pencils down at the end of the year. And, and who knows, right? Maybe they're a championship group right now or close to it. I, I don't know that you have to wheel and deal at this deadline. But obviously, I think most fans would, would be fine with OKC getting aggressive because it looks like they're not too far away right no, now. it doesn't. Now, you know, we've had teams that have had great runs. You know, we're not too far removed from the Utah Jazz being the one seed heading into the playoffs. And then an injury here or a struggle here and suddenly things fall apart. I think this team's a little different, a lot different. So I hope they don't get over their skis and make it a move because you're still looking forward, Josh. You have so much draft capital. That's still to come so much. They're like me and my Madden franchise. So many draft picks. But you also feel like when Jalen Williams gets back healthy, they got a chance to really do something special this year. So it'll be fun to watch. Tomorrow night, speaking of the Jazz, OKC in Utah. All right, um, big story number four. Number four. This is a big day. This is a big week in college football. If you missed our opening segment, I highly suggest you go back and download it off the podcast and just realize we're in the midst of a potential sh- – I don't know the best way to put it except for seismic shift that could be taking place because now that the SEC and Big Ten has come together, there are meetings today and tomorrow in which your two biggest draws, the commissioners of the two biggest draws, are now saying, bro, we're not happy with the direction of this. No, this ain't it. And... They're being very vocal about it. In an interview with Yahoo Sports, Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti expressed doubts in their commitment to the future of the college football playoff if leaders can't get it right on a litany of issues, including access and revenue distribution. You know, I, I worked with Bobby Carpenter on Friday. Well, I'm going to see about getting Bobby on this week. Because he brought up a really good point. I'm like, I'm still kind of surprised the Big Ten and the SEC are teaming up on this. And he goes, well, whenever, whenever you're in untenable times, that can bring together even the biggest, I don't know if you want to say enemies, because I don't know if the Big Ten and the SEC are enemies, but the biggest competitors. And now, Josh, with the Big Ten and the SEC coming together on not just the issue of NIL and collectives and things of that nature, but immediately being vocal about, guys, we don't have a plan for 2026. And this 12-team playoff is set for 24 and 25. Well, 25 and and the following season. But we don't have a plan. There's nobody beyond 26. Nothing. And we're not happy with this. So... We're going to let you know we're not happy about it. And what'd you say, Josh, if you read on further in the article, Ross Dellinger reported that, you know, someone's like, well, what do you guys want? You know, what, what does it look like for you? And can you imagine that as a conference, as the two most powerful conferences, that Greg Sankey has made it very clear. He loves college football. He doesn't want to completely implode the foundation that's out there right now as unsustainable as it seems to be. But they can they can set the rules how they want it. They can make it look how they want it to look. You're not necessarily booting the NCAA, but you're giving them a set of rules that everyone agrees upon that they then, if they want and should be able to, will enforce. And then add to that, you can make the playoffs look how you want. 
You want a 12? No, they want a 14. Maybe they want a 16 teams. You don't want to have to worry about automatic qualifiers. Let's get the best 12, 13, 14 teams going forward. I think this is a fascinating couple of days. It'll definitely be overshadowed by the Super Bowl, and that's fine. But if you're a diehard college football fan, this is something you need to be keeping an eye on, in my opinion. College athletics fan. I mean, this could Mm. be ripples down the road for the NCAA uh, men's and women's basketball tournaments. There's a lot uh, at, at play here for the future of college athletics. What uh, What is this mostly about to you? Is it mostly about the college football playoff? Is it uh, mostly about pay-for-play for players and figuring out NIL? Is it about a breakaway from the NCAA? If you had to pick something, okay. what is it most about? Can I give a very unpopular opinion? I don't think any of these people want the NCAA to go away. I don't. They're incredible at event management. You look at the NCAA tournament, college hoops-wise. You look at the the College World Series, the baseball. I mean, the the NCAA does an incredible job in putting on these events. And they, I think for the most part, are trying to do what their member institutions want them to do. Trying to. Failing a bit, but trying to. I don't think anyone wants that to go away. I just think they want the enforcement to have some teeth because now that's number one. Now, Josh, you can create these rules however you want them. And that's not saying everyone's going to go pay people, but when everyone agrees on it and then you, if you have a quarterback taking private jet trips that you paid for in recruiting, well, then you agree to this, right? So you're going to get in trouble and you're going to get deemed. And we're going to really get after people for things like, you know, inducement, if that's going to be a major issue or not. Or maybe Virginia and Tennessee went in court and inducement can't even be anything you enforce anymore. My point is, I just think they're trying to hit a hard reset. That more than anything else. And I think they're trying to say, this whole thing's kind of a mess right now. Um, You can point a finger and blame the NCAA but everyone's taking advantage of of their time of weakness, right? And taking advantage of these new rules. Let's figure out what we want to be, how it's going to look, and understand that we're running this show right now as the Big Ten in the SEC. I kind of think that's what it's about. I don't know if it's just one singular thing. I think the vision in a lot of ways is what, um, what the Alliance thought it was, right? The Alliance said we... There's so many issues we need to get to beyond just the expansion of the playoffs. And then, lo and behold, we didn't realize that it was just – it was the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, trying to slow things down so that he would be able to finish his TV deal and get, get, what, four new members at the the time, too, in USC and UCLA. But I don't – I think the idea is just to hit a hard reset and figure out what we're going to look like for the next 20 to 25 years. It's really I don't think it's one singular thing. These uh, couple of paragraphs here, if I may. Yeah, go the, ahead, the man. Dellinger, I love this topic. Uh, Dellinger report. Settling on an acceptable athlete compensation model is perhaps the most pressing issue mm, that's before a big the Big one. Ten and SEC's advisory group, as well as the other FBS leagues. A new model could rectify both the House versus NCAA antitrust case 
and the current landscape of college football and basketball recruiting, a space which coaches and administrators describe as a pay-for-play unregulated free agent marketplace. Many around college sports view the house case as the final wedge mm. between the haves and have-nots, mm -hmm. leading to what's often termed as the quote-unquote great split. Only the high end of college athletic programs can afford to, one, contribute to the settlement as much as 10 to 15 million per school, and two, operate within a system that's deemed, quote, fair enough, unquote, to uh, be part of a settlement. So that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. If I were to say the pecking order of issues, then yeah, that's number one. That's number one. I'm so intrigued by what that's going to look like. And there's a part of me that thinks this too is the SEC and the Big Ten saying, yeah, this whole idea of the 30K cap per athlete and things of that nature, or I'm sorry, 30K minimum investment and the number of – we're not doing that. And if we're doing that, it's just going to be us and the Big Ten and maybe Notre Dame. Fascinating. All right, um, anything else you want to add to that? No, it's uh, it's pretty interesting, and I'm I'm eating up with it, peeps. I'm not gonna lie. The final set of musical chairs, I don't think is done. By the way, either as again, Florida State and and plenty of others are gonna try as hard as they can to get to either the the Big Ten or the SEC. And and also, this is a good point too. Uh, off the super secret Textoso line, don't forget, two years ago the NCAA redid its constitution. And part of that was the ability for divisions to create additional subdivisions. That was the NCAA, and more importantly, the schools, opening the door for a new subdivision, a la the Big Ten and the SEC, that has its own rules, its own playoffs, its own whole entity. Maybe it is. Maybe it's that moment to where they come walking out, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall style. You don't get that reference. Hey, yo. And they figure out who's with them and who's against them. Or they just tell everyone, we're going to do our own thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which could be the case. Which could be its own pay-per-view, like NWO sold out. All right, number uh, three. Big story number three. Number three. Super Bowl week is here. The, uh, in case you did not know, the Chiefs and the Niners will be playing each other on Sunday. It's a rematch. It's a re Dude, I'm going to tell you one thing. Dear NFL Network. We have definitely hit the maximum amount of re-airs of the Chiefs-Niners Super Bowl from 2020. <laughs> well, I got news for you. There will be more. Oh, my gosh. Every time I turn the TV on this week and it was on. But we now we did have some football. We did have some football this weekend. And you know what, Josh? As I like to do for the people, I'm bringing you highlights from said football this weekend. I like the Brickfell again. Oh, Looking deep, has a man, touchdown, C.D. Lamb. That was the, uh, you, I, I don't even remember who that was on the call, but my man was like done with the Pro Bowl by that point. It's like, <laughs> there's no touchdown. Zero energy. None whatsoever. The uh, You don't care, we don't care, here you go, it's a touchdown. You know, we were talking about Chief fans kind of having a bit of a Sooner fan mentality online. Indeed. I, right. I, I knew that Sooner fans were getting way too into this Pro Bowl yesterday. <laughs> Whenever I saw, I think it's like OU Christie that was like dropping F-bombs and just so mad about anything bad that would happen for Baker. 
or the near CD Lamb catch, and I'm like, guys, it's it's a flag football game, man. We don't. <laughs> it's an exhibition, folks. It's fine. We 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 can have fun with this one, but it was fun, and I and I enjoyed what I watched. I liked the tug of war crap they did. I I even dug the skills competition, but in the end, I mean, it's a it's an exhibition. It's the Pro Bowl, and all we ever do is complain about it. So, congrats to Baker. By the way, Baker's really enjoying life. I'm happy for him. He deserves it. He injured Mayfield uh, won the MVP award following the NFC's victory over the AFC nine of 13 for 102 yards and two scores 55,000 though at Camping World Stadium. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's a great turnout. Um, the Mahomes senior story. Anything. I just I feel like this dude's got some issues and he probably needs to get it taken care of. The interviews they had with him on the field after the AFC Championship game, he looked wrecked. I mean, once you have your first DUI, it's a wake-up call. Your second is probably one where you realize you need more help than you probably understand. Your third, I mean, I'll, it's it's really, really time to get away. Yeah, it's it's sad, isn't it, man? When uh, I mean, obviously, feel how you want to feel about that sort of deal. There's, you know – lack of responsibility and yep. but uh, it's just sad when you see when you see that going it's on it's his it's his son's super bowl and i get maybe he's been to too many it's his fourth in 6 years i don't know but the night the weekend before media day you're out getting blasted and choosing to drive and making that a story what are we even doing man all right um it's a long time it's like a 5 hour broadcast tonight for the media day, this is the this is the big deal media day where you get all the goofy questions, and there'll be someone dressed like a bride that might propose or ask if Travis Kelsey will propose to him. This all with the goofy stuff happens, but tonight is opening night for the Super Bowl in Vegas. All right, big story number two. Number two, big weekend recruiting wise for the Oklahoma Sooners. Ryan Foji, offensive lineman, commits in the class of twenty twenty five, which is now a top five class. Josh, you had some good information on him. You liked what you saw, didn't you? I think, uh, yeah, the tape looks really good. He moves well. He'll add weight to uh, his frame. But uh, prototypical in the fact that he's six foot five for a tackle. I think uh, most places you look, he's 290 right now. But he'll add 30 or 40 if he wants to or, you know, 25, whatever weight you want to add to it. He'll get stronger, but he moves well. I think he's going to be a blue chip guy before it's all said and done. I just think a lot of recruiting evaluators maybe hadn't seen or known a lot about him. You know, Oklahoma was the first to offer in August of 23 after he camped with OU and then sort of everybody else, right? All of the keeping up with the Joneses came in after OU. Step in line, everybody. Follow the Sooners offer train. And they did. And so, anyways, I think he's somebody that is absolutely on the rise. Jonah Williams, five-star linebacker, was crystal balled slash future cast slash on three prediction slash, I don't know, to Oklahoma. And he said, uh, forget it. He said, good thing crystal balls are just predictions with a laughing, crying face emoji. But dry fit Venables said, it's your time. No one else's. And I understand that that really resonated with Jonah Williams. Go I'm easy totally, on my man, dry fit. I'm totally kidding. This is your time. Don't you let anyone take this from you, Jonah. I like you, Drive Fit. I'm just playing. It's the first thing I saw, and for some reason, I couldn't stop laughing at it. <laughs> He's not wrong, but 
Yeah. And I like, you know, because Josh McQuish, I believe it was Josh had put in the, the prediction and kind of had fun with it, too. He's like, hey, he's not lying. But it seems as if early on for the five-star backer, all signs are good, which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Josh Helmer, let's go all in on the weekend that was for OU basketball. Great performance by the women rallying, knocking off Oklahoma State in Stillwater, 81-74. Tough loss for the men, 74-63 at the hands of UCF. We'll hear from Porter Moser and Jenny Baranchek next right here on The Ref. All right, Josh, where do you want to start post-game-wise? Do you want to hear Ginny Baranchek or do you want to hear Porter Moser? By the way, OU women check in at number 23 in the most recent top 25. I like it. Sliding on in, huh? Maybe since we brought it up, should we start there, you think? Sure. There's a little context to this, I think. Uh, Coach Baranchek does her post-game interview win or lose courtside. Always has. I think always will. And in it too, Josh, she likes to have a player. And as she's getting ready to do her post-game interview with Brian Brinkley on the Sooner Sports Network, this is this is going on in the background. <laughs> That's uh, thanks to our buddy Connor Pasby, where after the Sooners won, uh, J.C. Hoyt, the head coach at Oklahoma State, I, I guess was mad that there was so many Oklahoma State fans making noise. She just seems to find a way to get mad about Oklahoma's celebrations on their court. I got a fix for that, Josh. Yeah, win the game. Yeah, win the game. But Jenny Baranchek is doing her interview and Brian Brinkley's opening question is, Coach, great win, and a lot of extracurricular activity going on around us. Uh, but here's what Coach said about the game. Uh, what I'm proud of is this basketball game for the state of Oklahoma. We need to do a great job of growing our game, uh, you know, at a grassroots level. Yeah. And so it is really good for our state to have great women's basketball yeah. and for people to be able to come today. And there were a lot of kids here. The fans were great here. I mean, this is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So I was, I'm really, really proud of that. And I'm really proud of, I'm, I'm really proud of the second half that our team came yeah. out. I thought we came out as a team. I obviously, I think Sahara being in foul trouble maybe helped a little bit in that <laughs> coming back out in the second half. What a second half, but she didn't do anything out of her wheelhouse. Nobody, everybody did what they do. And so it yeah. was, it was really fun for our team today. We can share two, Josh. We can share two. So weird. Have you talked to Connor at all about it? Is he in yet? Because he was there yesterday, Connor Pazby. He's in, but okay. uh, I, I've not oh, uh, okay. been able to speak with him. I'll retweet the video. It's you just, want me to just like wave him down and see if he'll nah, jump on and talk about it? It's fine. It's just it's funny. I mean, it, the last – if we just lost a home game and you're not Patty Gasso, can you imagine going out and yelling, we can cheer too? We'd be like, Boo! Win the damn game. <laughs> it's just weird. All right. Um, meanwhile, I guess uh, UCF had, unfortunately, a lot of reasons to cheer on Saturday as they beat Oklahoma in Orlando. Porter Moser afterwards, I just think he summarized it perfectly. I just thought we couldn't get any traction getting any stops. I mean, like, they, um, you know, they, they – 
their athleticism. Um, I thought they were going downhill extremely hard, drawing fouls. They obviously got to the foul line. Um, and I just thought they were uh, a step ahead of us on both ends the whole night. You know, a step ahead of us when we were trying to guard them. Uh, they were a step ahead of us defensively when we drove. Um, and uh, I think that's we, – we knew the way they protect the rim. We had to make some shots. And uh, Darthard got free a handful of times in the zone, but the rest of us, I think, were one for ten. Um, we knew we had to have a high assist, low turnover night. We felt we had to, you know, because they – they take away the rim so much, we had to collapse it and kick and kick and make some shots. And we had the, the flip-flop. We had high turnovers, low assists. So we had that backwards. Um, and I thought they did a great job of every time they turned us over, they converted. I mean, they were just really getting out in transition. And we, we, that was one of our keys of the game. And it was, probably, it was one of our worst def transition defensive games. We've, I mean, we were at, last week, I think we gave up two transition points. And we gave up 20 tonight. Oof. Frustrating. 74-63 was the final score. Um, and it's it's upsetting because you had just had the dominating performance against Kansas State on a night when I think everybody agrees Kansas State didn't necessarily look all that great, but the Sooners made sure they didn't allow them to have any life whatsoever. But, Josh, that's, that's a tough one, right? You – I think Cincinnati is better than UCF, and you went and beat Cincinnati there. And then against against UCF, you just it. By the way, the Knights didn't score a bucket field goal wise in the final four minutes of the game. Now it, you could argue that maybe it was pretty much over and done for at that point. But you know, Park Parker Porter hit on something really solid there. Oklahoma turned the ball over fifteen times. And UCF turned it into 16 points. Their fast break points, 17 fast break points. And that was, as he just said, an area where you felt like you needed to have some success. Oklahoma only had nine fast break points in the game. And it's just frustrating. 15 turnovers, 10 assists. Even in the rebounding, uh, you know, shooting-wise, McCullum was 2 of 10. Uh, Uzan was 2 of 8. They were both in the red as far as plus-minus is concerned. Again, frustrating day, but you wipe it, and you got to beat BYU tomorrow night. Yeah. That's, that's, that's as simple as it is. All of a sudden, back in the uh, LNC tomorrow versus a good BYU team, and then obviously uh, Bedlam versus Oklahoma State inside the LNC coming up over the weekend. And you need both, right? I mean, you're, you're a sixth seed in the latest bracketology that – does not include the result from this this past weekend, right? right. So you're going to slide a little bit from there, but uh, still comfortably in. Was not good uh, your last week at home. You need to stack these home wins now that you got an opportunity again tomorrow. Mm. All right, quick break. When we come back, the best of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line right here on the Home of Sooner Fan. Okay, a couple of uh, straps, if you will. That we need to pick up. Lloyd reminded me of one off the Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line. It's awesome to see Spencer Rattler win the MVP of the Senior Bowl. He's going to the Raiders since Kings Buried is going to be the OC there. Kidding, Plank. Now, remember, Lloyd, there's an update. Kings is no longer going to Vegas. He's now off to Washington to the OC with Dan Quinn and the Commanders. And um, I found myself rooting for Spencer Rattler a lot. I really did. 
I don't think I'm alone. I think Sooner fans appreciate what he tried to do. Obviously, dude, the Spencer Rattler hate game, you and I joked about it a lot. It grew. It grew uh, to where if you had any kind of interaction whatsoever where you could hate on Spencer Rattler, what would it be? Oh, well, I saw that a old lady was trying to walk across the street and Spencer Rattler bumped into her. Then it blew up. It's like, yeah, he's a terrible guy. Some students were walking around Campus Corner and he ignored them. You know, it's just it became this like pile on beyond, hey, Caleb Williams might be a better quarterback. <laughs> he didn't help himself either whenever he showed up to a post-game presser after we lost and had the rattlesnake diamond-encrusted pendant that he was wearing. Kind of became the face of NIL. But I, I find myself rooting for him. I hope he does well. I think he's got a chance to be a pretty good NFL quarterback. I don't think I don't think he's going to be like some Mahomes find in the second round or anything, but I've got no reason to hate on Spencer Rattler. He hasn't he hasn't dragged Oklahoma since he left too much. Has he? I don't think so. And again, as you pointed out, probably it'd be sort of understandable if he did, given uh some of the treatment that he, he got while here at Oklahoma. It was terrible. So. It was terrible. It was terrible. Um <laughs> the other thing that I forgot to mention, it finally happened on Friday night, Josh. It had never happened for me. I finally felt an earthquake. I don't know how I, I won't lie to you. There was a part of me because I'd kind of fallen asleep on the couch a little bit, and I thought I was in like that rim sleep dream that seems so real, and then you wake up and you're like, did that just happen? <laughs> what was that? But it Here's the thing for me. You all from probably how we make fun of the way people will react to severe weather in places that aren't used to it. I'm not used to an earthquake. That thing lasted way too damn long. I'm sorry. And remember, my experiences with earthquake, Superman won. All right? The the ground split open, and it ate everyone up. Almost dang near killed Lois Lane. So that's my mind when it comes to earthquakes. I'm scared to death of them thanks to Superman won. But... There was this point where, where else could you have gone to figure out what it was but Twitter? So I wanted to thank Twitter for being there for me on Friday night because, I mean, even with the aftershocks, Josh, I was like, this thing, this thing still can't be going on, can it? And it was. It rattled things in my home. I was shook, literally, Josh, shook. Yeah, that's crazy. I, uh, did you sleep through it? I did, yeah. <laughs> it, it happened what? Sort of like about 11.30 or so. Yeah, it was close to midnight. It was, yeah. And we had the, the give me zone That's on right. Saturday morning, bright and early. <laughs> so I was trying to, you know, be a professional and get rested up and get ready to go on this and that. good pro. And, uh, yeah, had no idea it happened. None. I finally got – I had always been the guy when I see people go, earthquake, earthquake. I'm like, I didn't feel it. What is this? And then I tweeted um, – because we were getting a massive thunderstorm. Like, we lost power. Uh, it rolled through Goldsby. And uh, so I turned, I'm like, wow, an earthquake in the middle of a thunderstorm. Haven't felt that. And I was quickly reminded by Dr. Kevin Clazel that we did have a tornado during an earthquake like 11 years ago or something like that. Like, well, thankfully I slept through that one too. But a fun weekend nonetheless. Oh, and the Grammys last night. You watch the Grammys? 
You know, I did not. I was okay. so into basketball and wasn't looking at social media. I didn't even know what was going on. I forgot. I forgot to. My daughters reminded me. Why? Because they're Swifties. So everything that they thought was going to happen happened. They got to see Ta- Taylor Swift win what album of the year. Then she announced her new album that's going to drop. And then everyone got mad because she didn't acknowledge Celine Dion right away after she had won it. Which is funny to me because I'm not going to lie. I thought Celine Dion had passed away. So whenever she walked out, I'm like, is this CG? What are we doing right here? If you haven't listened to Tracy Chapman sing Fast Car with Luke Combs, do yourself a favor. Everyone who has a Twitter feed has retweeted it in some way, shape, or form. Well worth your time. Because there's like this backlash against Luke Combs, who I don't think could be more. I'm not, listen, I'm not doing this. I'm sorry. This is a sports show. But the dude has been respectful of Tracy Chapman. He's like, this is my dad's favorite song. I've always sung it. It was a lot. We were, we were putting down my new album. I'm like, hey, can I redo this? Can we, can we remaster it? Didn't change anything. Just sang it with his country twang. And then he went out there with Tracy Chapman last night, dude. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Tracy Chapman, by the way, I forgot, also one of the last musical guests ever on the David Letterman show. All right, back to sports guys resonating in my head. Those were the three scraps that we missed from the weekend that was. I find myself watching a lot of David Letterman uh, reels. <laughs> yes. For whatever you, reason, it's found out that uh, oh, I, I enjoy going The back. algorithm gotcha. It's like me and car crashes, right? Yeah, I see you. I have seen more car crashes over the last month than I ever could have imagined even happened. Off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, Sean writes, Guys, colleges, universities want enforcement with teeth unless it's their team. You know what? They realize the kryptonite that Superman has. Second Superman reference this segment. And so now schools just say, hey, you're coming after us. We're taking you to court. And the NCAA is kind of out. Guy from Parts Unknown writes, the Sankeys, to get what they want, maintain power, leverage, and money, and are willing to burn college football as we know it to the ground. Is that a bad thing, though? I mean, do you like the way this thing's going in the offseason? Do you like how roster building is going right now? I don't. I dug something Brian Kelly said. I'm going to look it up for tomorrow's show. Can't believe I just said that. But Brian Kelly was asked about the portal, and he goes, you know, at some point this business, I mean, it's about development because if it's not, what are we even doing? If it's not about – if we're just going to go out and continue to get players out of the portal, I mean, are we even developing people? That was a good point. Well, some of Oklahoma's recent great success stories are developing players from the portal. Yeah, that's true, too. Tyler Guyton was one of the stars of the Pro Bowl, or so, uh, Senior Bowl. So I, I hear the, the comment. It's a fair remark. But in some regards, the, the great coaching staffs will be able to, well, have successful development stories and maybe reduce time. Shark writes, the NCAA doesn't get a plug nickel. From college football, the Bulls are the playoffs. That's a major region, reason why the conference just won them around. Like, yeah, you guys don't get any of this. We get all of this. Cool Mo J on the Super Bowl moving from Sunday to Saturday or Monday being a day off. He writes, other day? Uh, or I'm sorry, another holiday? I thought after Thanksgiving was the national recovery day. 
Not for us. Not for us. Oh. <laughs> Same like this. Uh, if, it's, if it's a national holiday, we'll see you on Monday anyways. And Jeff from OKC, just for debate, if they did move the Super Bowl to Saturday, you could possibly have more people willing to travel to the location of the Super Bowl, making it easier for travel. Just going to go out on a limb here. I don't think Vegas is struggling with people traveling there. I think they're okay. All right, listen, let's get a break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on the show with some Primrose Funeral Services final thoughts on the wrap. Yeah, I'm sorry. Josh and I were supposed to talk after our show's Saturday, and then a, uh, a combination of an illness and pink eye, which again might be a great South Park episode as well, really minimized my Saturday and Sunday, so I'm sorry, Josh. No, these things happen. It's all good. Big announcement coming up on the Plank Show here in a couple days. Not early next week. You won't want to miss it. Uh, in the meantime, Primrose Funeral Services brings you our final thoughts. You can learn more at primrosefuneralservice.com. Call them 405-321-6000. That's 405-321-6000. And you know what? This is one of those wild days for us where there was so much to get to. I feel like we hit a lot. There's a lot of meat left on the bone for the rest of the day. A lot of meat left on the bone for you, Steel Man. So let's um, let's roll through a couple of the best texts to the show. 5808. I didn't watch the Grammys, but they missed a golden opportunity to have Travis Kelsey there and to keep showing him over and over and over. <laughs> Would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody wanted to see. Right? That's a good point. Hold on, hold on. Could you imagine the, the amount of people that throw a fit anytime Taylor Swift shows up at a football game to have uh, Travis Kelsey all over the gra- uh, all oh. over the uh, Grammys? Are they again? This, this is just ridiculous. With this football guy? What are we even doing? <sighs> By the way, I'm not a big Trevor Noah guy, but I thought he crushed it from what I watched last night. That's not an easy job. So he was uh, the host and everything? Yeah, he was really good. A gunny. Nobody puts softball in a corner plank. That is true. Sooner Judy. Good morning, gentlemen. Would you please wish my grandson to Aquino a happy 12th birthday? Happy birthday. Happy birthday to – I had to look at that one a couple of times, Judy, because I didn't know if you were trying to make us say something bad. It's like, happy birthday to Ben Dover, who turned, oh, happy birthday to, I hope you have a great day. Uh, the 918, I don't think Porter is starting the best guys. Give me a break with this second shift crap. And then Camo Sooner, how about Mark Henry's son committing to the OU wrestling team? I, for one, I, for one, would like to welcome Mark Henry to the Sooner Nation. One of my all-time favorites is now where he belongs in the Crimson and Cream. Really cool story for the weekend. Have a wonderful day. Hey, Josh, have a great rest of your day. Steel Man and Thune at noon are next.